You're listening to DraftKings Network. But if they're not getting deals now, Ross, they're never getting deals. It's only going to go down no matter how good a year they have. In fact, the better the year they have, the less value they're going to have next year. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It's a Monster Monday. It's presented by DraftKings always. I am, of course, Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Most of you know that. Five teams over the course of seven years. Long time ago now at this point, back in the 2000s. Here we are in 2023. Ever since then, got a few small businesses. Got a bunch of different media gigs. Have several podcasts. We talk AFC North draft picks on today's college draft podcast. Highly, highly encourage you to listen to that draft series. At a minimum, listen to the episode where we talk about your team or your team's division on the college draft podcast because it's absolutely fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, I'll be joined momentarily by Andrew Brandt. Not only writes for Sports Illustrated, he's the host of the critically acclaimed Business of Sports podcast. About once every two or three months, we kind of do a simulcast thing. We'll be doing that momentarily after I make sure each and every one of you is aware of Max. Listen, we talk about the draft on the College Draft Podcast. When it comes to streaming, my first pick is Max. Best entertainment for whatever mood you're in. If it's drama, look, they got superhero movies like Batman or Shazam. You like the home renovation? Fixer up or welcome home or hometown. I'm more the comedy guy. Curb your enthusiasm. Big Bang Theory. You got the family with you. They got Max Original Sesame Street. Max Original Gremlins. Secrets, Secrets of the Mogwai. Don't wait to pick the best of streaming entertainment. Max. With something for every mood I'm in or my family's in. Anytime. It's always a win. Plans start as little as $9.99 a month. Max. The one to watch. Subscription required. Visit max.com. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Absolutely love the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Business of Sports crossovers with my longtime friend now at this point, Andrew Brand. Everybody knows former executive in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. Before that, he was running the Barcelona Dragons, which, gosh, we could do a whole episode on that, just living in Barcelona, doing that. Before that, he was an agent. Just had a very, very cool, diverse, unique career that he continues on now, including Business of Sports podcast. So those of you listening via the Business of Sports, check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Pretty much every day, we'd love to have you getting your fill of football knowledge. And those watching or listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, business of sports must be a part of your weekly routine. It's amazing, Andrew. I mean, here it is, June 19th. Follow him on social, at Andrew Brandt. And I have like 10 topics we could get to. It, <laughs> it really is almost like the offseason is your season. 
Yeah, it's always the busy time and all those careers you just mentioned of mine, whether agent, team executive, or now a media analyst, the off-season is the busy season, even as it really slows down. We really are in the six-week true off-season for the NFL, as you know. Players are off, coaches are off, but administrators, front office execs, they're kind of never off. They're kind of off more in the season, as you and I have talked about a lot. Um, by the way, Ross, I've been listening to your pods lately. You had a guest that you, the three of us shared a stage a couple months ago. You had Carl Nassib on. Again, the three of us all from an area around Philadelphia. Uh, great guest. And it was kind of, I, I smiled because the three of us talked about that on stage. I talked to Carl, then you came on stage really interesting guy and he's got a lot going on outside of football which I always am impressed with with guys that understand there's a career to be had afterwards as you as Carl and that's such an important thing that I try to impress upon athletes at all levels that sports is really not a career because of the shelf life of your body but it's a start to a new career so the best thing about sports is gives you aspects of your life that are important to take with you as you hit your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, even for aspiring athletes like me in their 60s. It's the same thing. Well, I appreciate the invite um, to that symposium at Villanova because that's how I met Carl and uh, got his number and was able to have him on the show last week. And that interview was very well received on so many different levels. So appreciate that, Andrew. I did want to ask you actually, about this time of year, because really from a, a team standpoint, there, there's two things going on. You can either get a, a call about somebody doing something bad, um, which is not good. And I always thought, Andrew, and I might write about this this week for the 33rd team. I saw big changes in guys over this six week period, you know, mm. If everybody is at, let's just say, a level eight in terms of their conditioning and what kind of shape they're in when when they leave in mid-June, some guys would come back, Andrew, a nine or a ten. Other guys would come back a seven, six, or five. You know, there were guys that those last six weeks, they went all in. And guys that those last six weeks, I don't even know. I mean, we had a guy one time that gained 40 pounds (laughs) in six weeks. It's unbelievable. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned briefly the, you know, the calls out of the blue that I would get in this six week time frame when you didn't have anything tethering you to the players. And there were some funny stories I've talked about getting calls from the police and getting calls from unrecognized numbers that make you cringe. That's kind of the cute, funny part of it. But as you mentioned, the fitness part of it is an interesting sidelight because I think in later years since when I was working, it's even more exacerbated. You have guys going back to their fitness regimens away from the team. And what I dealt with even back then was they would either suffer an injury doing something that our strength and conditioning would say you shouldn't even be doing. I remember one guy, and I'll keep him him anonymous, he was lifting boulders. Like, do you know that training, Ross? Yeah, it's it's like strongman. Strongman stuff, right. He's an offensive lineman lifting boulders and got hurt. 
And so I remember just back and forth with this agent, furious. Our our strength conditioning guys are telling me to lay into him and and threatening if it turned out it didn't happen, he was unable to play for a long time during the season. We're going to pay him NFI. So that was a contentious one. And then guys doing exactly what I said, where they come back and they talk to our strength conditioning, like, no, no, no. The past six weeks I was doing this. It was really working well. It was this kind of thing. It was this kind of lifting or this kind of running. So these are little things that people don't know because every player, even if you're making minimum, a lot of these players have their gurus that aren't part of their team when they go back to their college or their hometown or their friend, you know, so this is something that teams deal with more and more. It was in the news with Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero, but on much lower levels, teams deal with this all over right now. Andrew, let's talk about one of those former players, uh, Aaron Jones. Hmm. He took a pay cut this off season at running back, even though he had a really good year, took a pay cut to stay. And I almost feel like that was the first running back financial domino, right? I mean, none of these teams wanted to give any of these franchise tag guys, Josh Jacobs, yeah. Saquon Barkley, um, you know, they didn't want to give those guys new contracts, new deals. We see even the top free agent, Miles Sanders, got $6.5 a year. It's rough out there for running backs, Andrew. And I guess the question is, what, if anything, can be done, or is this just the way it is? Yeah, you mentioned you're working on a piece for, for writing. I'm doing the same. Uh, Sports Illustrated, I'm working on a big piece on the devaluation of running backs. You mentioned a couple anecdotes. Let's just go through it quickly. We have Dalvin Cook, allegedly one of the best running backs in the league, cut, still looking at a tepid marketplace. Ezekiel Elliott was cut, unsigned. Leonard Fournette was cut, unsigned. DeAndre Swift was traded for a ham sandwich. Uh, Aaron Jones took a $5 million pay cut, and it looks like he's still got a good deal at $10 million or $11 million. Really good deal. Um, it's just Austin Eckler. You know, he kind of made noise about his contract because he realized what we're talking about. If he doesn't get paid now, when is he going to get paid? And the Chargers were like crickets, you know, threw him a bone with some incentives. So this doesn't happen with other positions. And it really starts in college when you can't come out until three years after after high school. And it just continues on and on where this position, Ross, has a shelf life so much shorter than others. You have the outliers like McCaffrey and Henry. But if you're in your mid-20s, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And here's the thing I just want to say. <coughs> Excuse me. It's counterintuitive. Every other position, more production equals greater value, right? Quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, cornerback. The more production, the higher the future value. It seems the opposite with running back. The more production, the lesser the future value. Because of this phrase, tread on the tire and high usage. We know what's happening with these three franchise tag guys, right? Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Speaking as a team exec background, they want to get more high usage in 2023. They're paying them a lot of money. But if they're not getting deals now, Ross, they're never getting deals. 
it's only going to go down no matter how good a year they have. In fact, the better the year they have, the less value they're going to have next year. Think about that. So I don't know the answer. I just know that it's become a fungible position. It's restricted by the draft eligibility rule when normally those guys would be at their highest value. They're just making scholarship and NIL money. And now here we go. By their mid-20s, except for a few outliers, they're reduced. They're cut. They have no market. And it's just kind of sad. Um, There's been some noise about uh, running backs having their own union. I raised this years ago, but that's not going to happen. The CBA is going for another eight years anyway. So this devaluation just seems stark right now. I don't know more than other years, but it really does seem like a striking development. One of those guys, uh, J.K. Dobbins, I think he went to minicamp, Andrew, but he didn't participate because he wants a new deal. Chris Jones, the D tackle for the Chiefs, is one of the other guys that didn't go to minicamp. Stephon Diggs missed a day. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but maybe it's just training camp. Maybe they still have uh, the ability to rescind the fines for minicamp, but I think in the new CBA training camp, like they have to find it. They didn't have a choice because it used to be they would always just rescind it. So it's like it, it didn't have any teeth to it. I think they have to find guys now if they miss training camp, right? I'm pretty, I'm sure about that. I'm not sure about minicamp. Um, the CBA may have strengthened rules there, there where they have to, but we'll see on those guys. You're right about training camp um, because. Remember Aaron Donald missed training camp and they gave him a huge deal and they rescinded all the fines. Um, That can't happen anymore. You know, teams putting the fines aside, I will say this. I've said this to you every year. We don't make much. Teams don't worry too much about guys missing camp or early mini camp. Um, If it's a bigger issue that gets a training camp with the increased restrictions, that's probably not going to happen. And the franchise tag guys putting it to them, if Saquon or Josh Jacobs says, I'm not going to show up at training camp, just for all the reasons I just discussed, okay, (laughs) doesn't seem like a big deal. Like less usage during August Um, for them to turn down, you know, 800,000 a week in the season, that's not going to happen. I just don't think that. So again, teams are in a leveraged position with these players. Like, you want to miss time in the offseason? Okay. You know, we'll have to find you. We'll do what we have to do. But I think teams always have leverage when the big money starts in September. Had an epic weekend, Andrew. Drinking some Labatt Blue Lights with friends and family. Highly recommend it, especially this time of year. Actually had a bunch of Labatt Blue Light limes that were delicious. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo, New York. So, Andrew, one of the things that has come up in in sports recently was the partnership between Liv and the PGA Tour. And the only reason why I mention it is because I've seen you tweeting about this, at Andrew Brandt, and essentially, I don't want to paraphrase you here, but basically, franchise values in the NFL are getting so high that they're going to have to take institutional money at some point because they're running out of guys that have enough money to be able to 
to write the big check, right? I mean, that's even one of the issues why Josh Harris's group hasn't gotten approved yet. Yeah, Ross, I, I did a lot on this last week, uh, even on the Business Sports Podcast for people who didn't listen. I really go in depth about the Saudis and the Live Tour PGA Tour merger. So please listen to that if you would. The issue uh, going to American sports in general is, listen, I think what they've done in golf is a toehold. And when I say they, it's Saudi Public Investment Fund. Let's call it PIF worth $700 billion. I think it's coming to American, the core four, including the NFL, because what you just said, we're going to run out of multi-multi-billionaires, right? The, the franchise values have skyrocketed to a point where it's become wieldy even to assemble investor groups at prices going past $6 billion now. You know, four years ago, Ross, Carolina Panthers, $2 billion. One year ago, Denver Broncos, $4 billion. Now we're over $6 billion with the Commanders. I told this story on my podcast. I'm going to share it here again. I know a guy who's part of a group in Washington, D.C. with with a lot of wealth. They were approached by the Josh Harris contingent to talk about a minority investment in the commanders. And I'm not out of school saying this. He said to me, Andrew, I got this prospectus here. And basically, I'm just asking you as a sports expert, should I be getting more? Because what they're asking for is about 75 to $100 million. And all I really get out of this is good tickets. <laughs> you know, That's what he said. So what do I get out of this besides good tickets and maybe Super Bowl tickets? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You're not going to be involved in any decision making with the team. But what you get out of it is an exit in 10 years for $12 billion. <laughs> you know, that's what I said. That's what you're going to get out of it. And your $100 million will be $200 million. So anyway, it's hard. Josh Harris, and you know as well as anyone, they're trying to sweep Dan Snyder out of there. He's having trouble. He owns the Devils in the NHL. He owns the Sixers in the NBA. He's got a huge, comes from Apollo Wealth Management, huge fund. He's worth billions. He's having problems getting a group. That's how much these things cost. So then we spin back to the Saudis. It doesn't have to be the Saudis, but the NBA has opened up institutional money. The NHL has, Major League Baseball has. What that means, Ross, is private equity, hedge fund money can come into these sports, not as majority owner, not as the guy or the woman at the table in the owners' meetings, but as investment. I think it's only a matter of time before owners and Commissioner Goodell allow for institutional money, which may eventually include sovereign wealth funds. So it's not out of the realm that the Saudi Public Investment Fund could have a stake in an NFL team in the next five to 10 years. I think NBA will be first. I do. And I think it will extend to other leagues as well, as well because the money is so high. Check him out always on his show, where a lot of you are listening right now, The Business of Sports. You can also check him out quite frequently on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Really not even as frequently as we used to or as frequently as I would like, just because, man, still some other stuff we can get to. Next time you come on, maybe next month, Andrew, we'll talk about uh, Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, that they should wait for an injury or what, even maybe a Carson Wentz 
conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Always great, Ross. Always great to be on your pod and you have, have you on my pod. We'll do it monthly if we can.